having healthy relationships. And we all want healthy relationships, and we're designed to have them. But there are things, some things, that really interfere or destroy healthy relationships. And one destroyer of healthy relationships is the use of anger in the wrong way in a relationship. So we're, if we're talking about healthy relationships, we've got to talk about how to deal with our anger. When we trace wrongdoing back to its roots in the human heart, we find that overwhelmingly the number of cases that happen, it involves some kind of anger. And think about it, even the murders, there's some sort of hatred and anger that just gets stirred up and stored up in the human heart until it bursts out. And in its simplest form, anger is a spontaneous re response that has really a vital function in life. Um, as, as such, it's not wrong. It's a feeling that just seizes our body. It just seems to rise up and impel us. We almost feel that we must take some form of action. And anger from certain people can really push our buttons. L let me give you some facts about anger that I found out this week. The average woman loses her temper three times a week. Would you agree with that, women? The average man, six times a week. Yeah. Women get angry more often at people, and men get angry more often at things, cars, computers, some mechanical problems, things like that. Women are more verbal with their anger, and um, men are more physical with theirs. And I found this interesting, too. Single adults express their anger more often, twice as often as married people. And I wondered, what at? You don't have a husband. <laughs> what at? The cat? The dog? I don't know. But that's what Fax says. Uh, and the place that you're more often uh, found expressing your anger is at home with the people you love the most. And because the greatest potential to hurt you is always by the people that you love the most and who can really irritate or offend you if you're living with them. And what they think about you and what they say matters than anyone outside the home. Rick Warren says this, and it's a great saying, to dwell above with those we love, that'll be glory. But to dwell below those, the, with those we know, that's another story. And anger is not always an inappropriate response. We know that. It is not always wrong. Uncontrolled anger is always wrong. Uh, actually, anger can be a real evidence of love. Somebody tries to hurt your kids or your pet or something, somebody you love, and you get angry. And we can be angry, and rightly so, about the injustices in the world, racism, greed. Anger is really an evidence of love. In fact, the only reason that we're able to get angry is that we're made in God's image. We don't like to talk about it or think about it, but God gets angry. In the scripture, it says 375 times that God got angry, or Jesus got angry, or the Holy Spirit got angry. And these are, there are just some things that are definitely wrong. 
that we should be angry about. And this, there's a right way and a wrong way to be angry. And anger should compel us to some sort of action, but it doesn't have to be uncontrolled anger. In Ephesians 4.26, the Bible says, when you get angry, do not sin, which obviously implies that there's a way to get angry and not sin, and that not all anger is sin. Selfish anger is sinful. Self-centered anger is sinful. Uncontrolled anger is sinful. Sometimes anger is helpful, though, but most of the time it's harmful. How many times have we seen things like a mother who lost her child by a drunk driver go out and do some good work toward other mothers or to causes because her anger is being used for good instead of harmful? Proverbs 25, 28 says this, if you cannot control your anger, you are as helpless as a city without walls, open to attack. You are defenseless, and people will manipulate your lives. Think about that. Do you realize when you say, you make me mad, you're giving yourself, you're putting yourself under the control of that person. Your emotions are under their control. You're admitting they're stronger than you are, that you're weak. You're saying, you have an ability to control me, and you are defenseless, like a city without walls. Think of the ancient cities that was written during the time of Proverbs. Every city had a wall to protect them from. Otherwise, everything that came in, anybody in the enemy would, could come in and really take over that city. And that's what Proverbs is saying about us. If we just get angry at everybody that uh, we give power to them to make us angry. We're like that, a defenseless city without any wall to protect us. Uh, Proverbs 12, 16, a fool is quick-tempered. Anytime I have a hair trigger temper, I'm a fool. I'm very foolish, and I will act foolish. It's wise just to let it roll off your back. A wise person stays calm when insulted. Proverbs 16:32. It is better to be patient than powerful. It is better to have self-control than to conquer a city. In other words, it's more important to be in control of your emotions and your temper than to be president of a company or an important entrepreneur. And the Bible identifies four different ways that we express anger, all negative. And then it also tells us what to do with our anger. But first, I'll use the, the negative, more modern-day names. And I'm sure as I talk about these types of expressive anger, you'll think of somebody. Some face will appear, maybe your own. First is the machine gun. We all know machine guns. They are people who just let you have it. They're mad, and they mow you down. They yell, they cuss, they throw things. They just let it fry. fly. They are walking time bombs, and we never can feel safe with them. If we look for an example of this in the Bible, it would be Cain. Think about that story. Adam and Eve had two sons, and Cain killed Abel. Uh, God had uh, told them how to make sacrifices to him. God wanted sacrifices in the Old Testament. And so he gave instructions on how to do that. Well, Abel listened and made a, a very good sacrifice to God. Cain didn't. And so God was pleased with the sacrifice 
that Abel made. But Cain, when he heard that, he got mad and he killed his brother. And if, and if we, uh, you know, look at current day examples, think about who you see in the news. Alex Baldwin, he's always slugging somebody. And <laughs> Charlie Sheen. And if you're a football player, this is football season, so you might, uh, you might like football. Uh, think of a coach, a, a former, former Ohio State football coach, Woody Hayes, who got so mad, he, was, he walked across the field and slugged one of his players. He had a, an anger problem, and he did not learn to control it. And so many of the players suffered from that, so eventually he lost his job. And, you know, one person in the church one time came to me and said, I just, you know, I have the worst supervisor at my job, and when she walks in, all of us that work for her start humming jaws. Because <laughs> we want to know she's coming. How would you like to be known that way? And the second kind of anger, besides a machine gun, is mute. And we all know the mutes. Mutes are the exact opposite of the machine gun. They don't blow up, they clam up. Mutes don't get violent, they get silent. And if we think of a Bible um, example of that, Jeremiah in the Bible, he was called a weeping prophet because he cried a lot. And Jeremiah 15 says this, I stayed by myself, that is typical of a mute, withdraw when they're angry, and was filled with anger. He was holding it in. The third kind of anger uh, would be a person who's a martyr. Martyrs are good at holding pity parties. They are passive and often punish themselves. They walk around saying, I shoulda, I must, I coulda, I have to, I ought to, it's my fault. If you constantly are blaming yourself for everything, maybe you're a martyr. And if you are a martyr, you're going to get depressed. And a good example in, this, in the Bible of a martyr would be in the prodigal son story. Remember, the, the uh, younger son went out and, and left his father and, and left his father's home against his father's will and went out into the world. And the father longed for him to come back and loved his son. And finally, the son learned his lesson and he found the courage to come back and say to his father that he had sinned, would he really take him back? And of course, the father took him back unconditionally. He was so happy to have him back that he threw a party and invited the whole village. And everybody was happy and celebrating except one person, the martyr older brother. And he said, hey, you're giving this guy a party and killing the fatted calf, and I've been here all these years serving you quietly. And you've never done that for me. That's a martyr. The fourth kind of anger is what the manipulators are. The motto of the manipulator is don't get mad, just get even. Manipulators will never tell you to your face that they're angry with you. They just do it subtly. They are going to do it sarcastically. They are indirect with jabs and cuts and side remarks and saying mean things. And if you try to say, are, are you mad at me, or what's going on here, they'll say, I was just joking. I was just like, where's your sense of humor? 
And if we think about manipulators in the Bible, we think of the Pharisees, think of how they tried to, they were angry at Jesus. They didn't want him to be who he was. And they set up all these side plots and things trying to catch him. And uh, none of these four ways, and there may be other ways, these are the four obvious ways, and none of these ways are helpful. The Bible teaches us some practical ways of controlling anger. And Proverbs 29:22, an angry person causes trouble, and a person with a quick temper sins a lot. Proverbs 15:18, hot tempers cause arguments. Proverbs 14:29, anger causes mistakes. Proverbs 14:27, people with hot tempers do foolish things. Calculate the cost of anger. There are so many proverbs about the misuse of anger. And we have to calculate it because if we're going to get in trouble, if we misuse it, we're going to sin. We're going to lose people's respect, the respect of others. We might lose the family. We might, we're certainly going to lose the love of family, lose a job perhaps. And if you stay angry all the time like that, you might get high blood pressure and have health problems. And how many kids have you known that have been really alienated from their parents because of a mom or dad's misuse of anger? That they, one of their parents had a hot temper and went off on them all the time. So the Bible tells us, calculate it. Is it really worth it? The cost of anger, when somebody starts pushing your buttons, remind yourself that you do not want to lose control and get angry back. It does not produce good results. Uh, and stop and think before reacting. Think before you speak. You know, anger control is largely a matter of mouth control. Don't respond impulsively. Put your mind in gear before you put your mouth in gear. Proverbs 13, 16 says, sensible people always think before they act. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives vent to his anger, but a wise man quietly holds it back. In the Hebrew, if we used a modern day term, we'd say, when you get angry, cool it, don't act on it and just let it go. It's hard to do, it's not easy because you have that rush of anger, anger and you want to do something, but we can control it because the Bible says we can control it and that God will help us if we really want to change and express it in a different way. And it's good to say, why am I angry? Why is this setting me off? And what's the best way that I can resolve this problem? without just being angry back at the person. You know, if you have a well and the water is bad in the well, you can change the pump. But when you put the new pump in, the water is still going to be bad because it's the well that's bad. And we can read self-help books or try to use some of the suggestions that they, that they offer. And they're, they're good suggestions and they work for a while. But if you don't change what's setting you off, then it won't last forever. You just get tired of fighting it and doing it. But the Bible says in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wow. That is the fruit of God's Spirit in our lives. It's evidence that He's living in us and He's controlling us, and we're not on, under our own broken self-control. Because when we're filled with ourselves and we're not depending on God, almost anything can set us off. And in fact, if, if I'm away from God, I, I make up stuff to set me off. But if I'm filled with God's Spirit and in touch right with Him, I have more peace and ability to listen and more willingness to ask for His help. Help me, God, when I'm angry, the first prayer. I'm depending on you. I'm not depending on myself. And as we continually do that, we reprogram our responses, our brains, and we can learn that God's way is so much better than our way. And we, it's called building your identity on Christ rather than yourself. That knowing that God loves you unconditionally, that you are his, and that you're valuable, and that you're worthwhile, and he has a purpose and a plan for you, and he wants to help you become a better person and build your identity in him and live under his control. Of course we're going to fail. It's like everything else, but he will forgive us, and we don't stop and say it didn't work. We go back the next time and say, God, help me. Uh, because when we're living without an identity in Christ, we live under caring too much about what everybody else thinks, under what people think. And Proverbs warns us about this, the fear of human opinion disables you. Isn't that true? The fear of human opinion disables you. So we build our identity on Christ. We work at it. We read the Psalms. We pray. We ask for help. Because if we build our identity on anything else, we're going to lose it. Our job, you certainly can lose that. If your looks, you certainly can lose them. Being popular, may, you may not always be liked by everybody. And if you build your identity on another human being, you may lose them. To be truly whole and to have good relationships the only way to build our identity is on Jesus Christ. He's the only true way, and he will never leave you nor let you down, and he will hear your prayers when you're seeking to become a better person by allowing him to have control of your life, and we're grateful for that. We all know what our own control, where it leads us. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for the wisdom in the Bible, the truth of the Proverbs. And God, if we didn't have the Holy Spirit and we didn't have you, we would read that and all really feel worthless or helpless. But God, you're there and you're working in us to make us like Jesus and to give us the fruit of the Spirit as we seek him, spend time to him, surrender to him, and seek his ways. And we thank you. We thank you for your truth and your spirit and your love and your forgiveness. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.